Welcome to Passion Life Church. Mark Moreno is uh, the lead pastor of Journey Church in Houston, right outside of Houston, Texas. And uh, they're seven years in as a church plant, and uh, he's on our board, and uh, they are meeting uh, about a thousand people a week. He's reaching thousands there. He's got two campuses, and so we're just excited to have him here uh, today at Passion Life Church. And so, Passion Life, would you give Pastor Mark Moreno a great round of applause as he comes to share with us this morning? Guys, good morning. And I want to go ahead and pray for Passion Life. I also want to pray for this community. Can we go ahead and do that? Yes. Okay, here we go. Can we do that? Yes. That's what I'm, I'm a guy that loves feedback. How many of you have kids in here? Don't you love feedback? Where did you put my, you fill in the blank. You know, type of give me feedback. All right, so here we go. Here we go. I love feedback, and so whenever I'm going to ask, hey, do you agree, or perhaps maybe can you identify, would love for you to be able to say, or perhaps maybe, you know, just mention, hey, yes, I do, or I don't, or that is me, Pastor, or whatever it may be. Listen, I love Phil. I love Valerie. Um, I think, man, God has put a unique couple together. They are a powerhouse couple. I do believe that Phil measured and way up, okay, he married up, let's put it that way. Knowing Phil in Bible college, I told him last night I would not say anything, uh, but that was last night. Today's a different day. So, no, Phil and I go way back. Uh, Sandy and I, my wife and I, we had a pr the, the privilege to come here a couple of years ago uh, when you're actually meeting in the other high school, and it was a fantastic time. We loved every bit of it. In fact, love being able to, to really watch what Phil is doing. And as, an, as on the board or an overseer, what does that mean? It basically means not only just accountability, but also means, look, don't do life alone. How many of you know that's a good thing, right? Not to do life alone whatsoever. How many of you know that's a good thing? All right, perfect. Here we go. So what Phil and Valerie do is the same thing Sandy and I do. We're just in a different year, in a different season, a different city, a different level. In fact, we can carry guns. You can't, praise God. But anyway, outside of that, we have a good time. Launched seven years ago, and it's been fantastic ever since. It really has been. Uh, a lot of rocky roads. We are, what he didn't mention, a portable church, similar to what Passion Life is. With two locations, though, we're both portable. And so we have to get really, really, really good at setup and tear down. And I don't care, look, in a sense, I don't care how many times you come here, you can never, ever think that we don't need you. <laughs> we need you. Look, I'm from Houston. We need you. All right? You got some time, maybe a week on vacation, come to Houston. We need you. We'll put you to work type of deal. But really, church in itself is of the people. So I'm glad to be here. Uh, I actually brought a dear friend, also a staff member with me, Luke Skaggs. He was actually playing electric guitar as well. Love, love the fact that we can be able to listen, be the church. It doesn't matter the address. Come on, somebody. All right, here we go. That's what it's all about. So I don't feel foreign. I don't feel at all I'm in a place that is uh, just unfamiliar. I love Phil. I love Valerie. I love the spirit. I love the spirit of Christ here. I love the fact that the presence of God is going to be what's priority and reign, period. Um, that's just it. That's all. When it's said and done, that's what it's all about. And so I'm glad to be here. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, though. I want you to turn and open up your Bibles. We're going to visit Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9. And maybe you're foreign to the gospel. Maybe you really don't know what this Christianity thing is or you've gone to church but you've never had a personal relationship or identified with a relationship with Christ. I want to help you, and I'm just going to be very open, be very real with you today. I was talking to Phil not too long ago about what's going on here at Passion Life. What are you guys talking about? What's been pretty much on his heart to communicate and convey? And he was sitting there letting me know about this topic or this series entitled Extraordinary. Everyone say Extraordinary. 
All right. How many of you would love to have extraordinary blessing? Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. It requires extraordinary behavior. Anything that God's going to be benefit of, there's going to come a cost in covenant. And so we have to understand and identify with that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually go into Scripture, and we're going to talk about a passage of Scripture that helps identify where we are. There's blessing attached, but yet there's also what you call a prerequisite to blessing, a prerequisite to benefit, a prerequisite to being blessed and highly favored. We all want that. What that simply means, highly favored and blessed, is that you've got the favor of God on your life in any area. How many of you are thankful for your health? then you're blessed. How many are thankful, okay, for first of all, first of all, the presence of God on your behalf, that you know what, we live in a country that is still free to worship. Okay, that's blessing there. Favor may be something to where it's, hey, you know what, I'm in a season or I'm in a zone where I'm blessed financially. God has really blessed us or maybe blessed your home, whatever it may be, your kids. I have four kids, not because I love kids, because I love my wife. I'm blessed. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. So I want you to help identify with the word blessing. And as we read the scripture, we're going to talk about a, a topic that every one of us can identify. And I want you to say this with me. I want you to say extraordinary timing. Okay. What's interesting is that we all have a certain amount of time. But yet our biggest enemy to God's timing is our own. And many of us in here, whether you're walking maybe as, a, as an immature, maybe believer, maybe you're just kind of figuring out what faith is or you're a mature believer, you're going to battle the same. No matter how many. It's not about intellectualism. It's not about reading the Bible more. It's about operating in God's timing. And how many of you know that God's timing sometimes isn't very good? <laughs> right? It's not perfect sometimes in our sense of our world. It's perfect for him. But I want to read the scripture. We're going to talk about extraordinary timing, but we're also going to talk about what it means for you and what it means for me. And then also take a look at a couple of stories that I believe are beneficial in scripture to help identify with this topic moving forward. In other words, this week, I want you to walk out of here and this week and ask the Holy Spirit, am I operating on your timing or am I asking you to bless and grace my own? Because the truth be told, Every one of us have a calendar. We all have an agenda. Every one of us have certain things that we want to accomplish. How many of you know you get ticked off when you go to Chick-fil-A and they take more than three minutes to get your food? <laughs> or McDonald's or any drive-thru. Even if they say, my pleasure, don't you tell me my pleasure whatsoever. It took you more than four minutes. What's the matter with you? Type of deal. In other words, we want things on our own timing. But you're also going to find out that whenever we end up actually taking the bull by the horns and saying, God, I got it. And it's in my timing, God says, I can't operate that way. I love you, but I can't operate that way. I've talked to Phil on many different occasions. And listen, as a pastor, our nemesis or our default mechanism really is to pay attention to other churches that are doing it better, greater, that are paying attention to other churches that we can be able to learn and glean from. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, the spirit of comparison can jump on us. They're not, per not perfect. And so we have to go back and go, God, this is your story for passion. God has his story for Journey Church. I look at other churches and other friends that are doing way better. There's a good friend of mine that's in Houston, launched two years ago. He has 6,000 people on a weekly basis. Is he doing something right? Uh-huh. Would I love that kind of favor and blessing? Uh-huh. But essentially what I'm saying is I want his story. And God says, I have your story. Don't be anybody else. Listen, <laughs> everyone else is taken. Be yourself. 
Everyone else is taking, God has his timing for you. So here's what we're going to find out based on Galatians 6, 9, a very familiar familiar passage of scripture, and we're going to break it up a little bit. And here we go, and the reading of the scripture says, so let us not go tired in doing what is good. I want everyone to say it with me. How how many of y'all here watched Sesame Street growing up? Anybody? Okay, you remember a little bouncy ball on the words? Remember this thing? Maybe you don't, maybe it's me. Okay, weird. All right, here we go. I want, you to, I want you to say it with me. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. Let's say it again. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. Say it again. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first sentence. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. First of all, you're going to have to learn how to identify what is good. What is good should never be what's relative to us. What is good to what the Father says is good. So here's what I'm going to do from a practical basis. I'm not going to be here at all to be able to fill your palate of intellectualism or scripture in a sense of, uh, 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 you know, some deep, deep message teaching. My, my ploy, listen, listen, I'm a pastor and I'm a father and I'm a husband. And sometimes I can't even get the shallow parts right. Why in the world would I want something deep when I can't operate in the shallow? Every one of us, we can identify with that. If you're looking for deep teaching, listen, that means you're going to have to have 100% on the shallow parts. You're going to have to have 100% identity when it comes to the small things or the little things, what we consider little things in Scripture. So let us not get tired. In other words, there is a fatigue. Let me ask you this summer, or let me ask you right now, and just be honest, and I'm going to be honest. This is why I'm here, in a sense, because my wife and I have been taking the whole entire month of July off. We said our priority is our first church, and that's our family. Come on. The church is not going to steal from that. As we told the church unapologetically, listen, I love you, but I just don't like you right now. And I need some rest. I need some time away. I need some getting away. My wife and I celebrate 20 years, our anniversary, this coming week. Okay, come on, man. We were in the Dominican. And listen, we were in the Dominican Republic last week. That's all I need to say. You can kind of fill in the blank what took place. But anyway, and so outside of that, then the next week and the following, we just said, we're going to take some rest. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. Listen. The devil knows, the enemy knows, that if he can get you in a position that is fatigued, spiritually, physically, emotionally, he's got you. He doesn't have to have a a pitchfork or he doesn't have to have any kind of chicken food or whatever. He doesn't have to have any type of work ethic or work morale to be able to get you to not sin or maybe to get you into a position that you're going to fail. He just simply needs to be able to pack your schedule. Don't get tired of doing what is good. In other words, you're going to get tired. You will get, how many of y'all are tired in here? Come on, I'm just tired. You mean just tired? I'm just tired. Or physically or emotionally or spiritually, I've hit ceilings where I've just been so tired spiritually, I didn't want to open the Bible. You know, I, I, really? I'm just going, God, I know you love me and, and, and I love you, but right now, I just, I just, I don't want to open it up. Or even maybe emotionally, where it's almost like, <clears throat> I can, my kids know, they know how to get dad, because whenever I'm emotionally tired, I'll say yes to everything. <laughs> you want to have a friend over? You want to go do that? Well, you want to go do that? Yeah, just go, just go, just go, just, just go. <laughs> and so I want to help you understand that we all are going to get tired. It's not if, it's when. So don't get tired of doing good. Now, here's the breakdown. 
Don't get tired. In other words, you will. Paul ended up addressing the church at Galatians and said, you are going to get tired. And how many of you know, if you're married in here, how many of you know when you're tired and when you start an argument with your spouse, how many of you know it ain't pretty? Okay? How many of you know, when, how many of you get like really ugly when you're hangry? When you're hangry, uh-huh. Don't talk to me. I want to eat. Feed Papa. Don't get tired. You're going to hit a fatigue point. And some of you, I'm not, look, I'm, I'm not prophetic at all, but I believe that some of you have hit a ceiling. And right now what your equation or what your antidote is to be able to get beyond that ceiling is to do more than what you've already been doing. That's insanity. Instead of backing away and saying, you know what, I need to get rest. I need to understand what God is trying to do. I also need to be able to, I want to do good, but you can never do good with a tired heart. You can never do good with a tired emotion. You can never do good with a tired spirit. You can never do good. So this is why Paul addressed the church, say, hey, you're doing good, but don't get tired. At just the right time, in other words, don't get so frustrated that God's timing is not your own. So I want to, hit, I want to basically go into this topic because I believe every one of us have a tendency to be able to get timing off because we are so fighting for God to bless our timing rather than leaning upon his. And because we do, we operate out of rhythm. And because we do, we operate out of his pace. In fact, we ended up sharing this message not too long ago. My wife and I both did because her and I weren't operating at cylinders or a rhythm or at a pace that really was healthy. And our kids were a byproduct of that unhealthy pace. And no matter your circumstances, your job, your family, your home, you can come to church all day long, but until you put a priority in place that says, God, this far and no more, I've got to get rest, I have to fill my spirit, fill my soul, and sometimes I need to just sit. Don't get tired of doing what is good. In fact, I am doing some study based on the, on the, uh, on the, on the word confusion. And I'm going to go ahead and break down here in a second. Well, we need to understand how to embrace his pace. There is a pace. There is a tempo. The musicians understand it by the word click track. If you're off the click track, there is this thing in your head, in your ears, the click track, what they call it. It's the tempo metronome. And it's doing something like this. How I many know that's annoying? But the very moment you get off the click track, that's when the word confusion comes into play. Because the very definition of confusion is a breakdown of order. If you ever experience confusion, there's a breakdown of order. Why? Because you operated out of God's timing. You moved away from it. You decided to take matters into your own hands and say, God, I know you love me, but now I'm going to rely upon your grace. And God says, I don't operate that way. I want you to embrace my pace, embrace where I'm at, embrace what I have for you, embrace how important it is for you to understand that your story is your own that I have for you. Quit living someone else's. Learn how to embrace the pace that he has for you. Passion. Listen, you're a church. Praise God. You're reaching people. Praise God. Embrace the pace that God has for you. Learn what to do, how to do it, make the adjustments as necessary. We need to embrace his pace. What causes us not to embrace his pace? Time, busy. How many of you are busy? I'm going to raise my hand. Okay, put your hands down. Here we go. Do you realize that the word busy is not a good word? Do you realize that the word busy says that there's no margin available for me to be able to hear the voice of God? 
Anytime, in fact, it's almost like a, a Western civilization culture word. Hey, how's it going? Busy. What are you doing? Man, busy. How's it been? Busy. Guess what? That's your fault. The word busy simply means that you don't have the structure and the order to be able to hear the voice of God for your life. I know it's a, I know it's a strong statement. But listen to me, every one of us are going to battle and deal with the pace of grace, deal with the pace of God's timing opposed to our own. That's your greatest enemy is your own timing. That's what doesn't allow God to move and operate in our life many, many, many times. Whether you're married, whether you're searching for a honey, whether you're searching for your spouse, maybe you're here and you're probably, I don't know, maybe you're scoping and hoping for somebody, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you right now how crucial and important it is to be able to just rely upon God's timing. Don't give up. Don't, don't, in other words, continue to do good. Don't give up on it because his timing is perfect. His timing is not our own. The timing of God does not just affect one person. This is why God is omniscient. His pace, think about it this way. The moment you get out of his pace for your life is the moment that God can no longer use you to build others for their life. We're vessels. God says, I want to use you, and I want you to be used, but you move, operate, and out of my timing, I can no longer use you. I love you, but I can no longer use you. We need to embrace his pace. And what a better story for us to understand the timing of God and realize what we can do about it and how we can lean upon God in his timing. I think about this story. It's actually found in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. I want you guys to go ahead and turn there with me, but put your finger and hold it on Galatians 6, 9 because we're going to read the rest of the scripture. Everyone say God's timing. timing. Look at your neighbor and say God's timing. God's timing. Holy Spirit, this week, am I operating in your timing or my own? You see, we all want to be blessed, but God says my blessing is attached to my pace, not yours. My timing and not yours. In the book of Daniel, we find this story. Basically, it's a familiar passage. How many of you we know maybe grew up in children's church? We know about Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, we know about Daniel being devoured, possibly being devoured by the lions and everything. And the cool story, even though it's kind of bloody and everything, and people were finally judged. They were thrown in the lion's dens. They were eaten mauled, and it was kind of cool. It's kind of rated R. But anyway, so here we go. It's Daniel chapter 6. But the background and the history of it is that Daniel, along with three other people that you may know of called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been taken into Babylon and in captivity. And they were chosen by favor and blessing. Listen to me. This is going to be very important for you to understand. Because I didn't get it until finally God had to point it out to me. You see... What's going to happen here is that we know the story. And here, Daniel 6, it says, Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, in other words, he knew that the decree was signed for him and his friends and everyone else basically to be terminated because they wouldn't worship the Lord. Here's how we pick it up. He went into his house, now in his roof chamber. His windows were open towards Jerusalem. He continued to get down on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God as he had been doing previously. Here we go, especially when it comes to God's timing. Well, all of a sudden now see Daniel. He gets pretty much chosen to be able to be thrown into the den. And the king was obviously a little bit more heartbroken because he knew he loved Daniel. There was almost this relationship that he had with him as a friend and trusted him. But now because he had to be a man of integrity, the king, 
He had, to throw, he had to throw Daniel in the den. We read the story because Daniel in the lion's den, but what we don't do is read the story prior to what Daniel did. Daniel went back. Let's read it again because we read it so quickly and we go over it fast. In Daniel 6, verse 10, he says this. He continued to get on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. We read about the lion's den, but we don't read about Daniel, what he had been doing previously, so that way it set him up for success in the lion's den. I want you to understand something when it comes to God's timing. You see, a lot of times we'll actually treat God almost like a vending machine. God, I need a Snickers because it really satisfies me. Or I need some, okay, M&Ms. Or I need this. Or I need some hot fries. Come on, somebody. Okay, I need this. Or I need this. God, in other words, I'm going to come to you whenever it's convenient. Or I will come to you whenever I need something. God says, I want you to understand how I operate. This is why I placed the story of the book of Daniel in you for your behalf. Because what Daniel did previously is what set him up for success. His behavioral pattern ended up launching him into get extraordinary results from God. It wasn't because he saw the lines and he said, Oh dear God, oh God, save me, save me, save me. Kitty, 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 stop. Let me tell you something. When you're in a situation like that, when you got these massive lions about to sit there and maul on you, you're not going to want to sit there and like, you know, pray the Holy Trinity. You're going to reach out immediately. Oh God, there is a desperation. But let me tell you something. Let me teach you. Everything of preparation of your life is going to now be a benefit of the results that you're going to get. What Daniel did previously, prayed three times a week and he prayed for others. Listen, he understood not only about God's timing, he also understood that nothing whatsoever was going to shift his emotions. Because when things come our way, when things happen in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart means what? Get control of your emotions. Pay attention. Get control of your emotions. Things are going to happen. Don't allow one thing to shift your identity in God. So Daniel did. He said, no, okay, no problem. Let's have the perspective that Paul had. Paul said, you're going to throw me in jail? Great, i got letters to write. You want to kill me? Out of the body, present with the Lord? Perfect. <laughs> the perspective was, whatever's going to come my way is not going to shift who I know I am as a child of God. And what Daniel did in regards to God's timing, because many of us are going to get frustrated. God, where are you at? Don't forsake the fact that God can do his best work in his obscurity. Don't forsake the fact that what Moses led a nation of millions of people that took him 40 years to be able to get prepared for. Don't forsake the fact when God is silent, he's doing, he's doing his best work because it requires faith to hear him. God's timing is essential. Understanding how to embrace his pace. Understanding that there is an extraordinary timing that we have to lean into to understand how God operates in, in our life individually. How God is going to operate with me is going to be different with you. It's just a submission to his timing. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I can't predict it. But I trust you. And sometimes, God, can I just be honest? It's hard to trust you. Look, I'm a pastor. And it's hard for me to trust God. It's hard but my spirit takes over. 
And sometimes my spirit has to be able to tell my flesh, listen, you're not in control. And so I want to rely and lean upon the Lord in his timing. And it's essential for us to be able to really think about maybe even some contrasts that we can learn from. So here's Daniel. Daniel now being in the lion's den. All of a sudden we know the rest of the story. Lions didn't pounce on him, whatever. He may have given him some meow mix or whatever. I don't know. But they didn't pounce on him. We know the angel of the Lord. We know that God rescued. But let's take a look at a couple of people. In fact, let's just go ahead and identify with a couple of people that decided to take matters into their own hands. One decided to take matters into his own hands, while the other one decided to go ahead and lean upon God's timing. You may have actually heard, even in the Bible, King Saul. Saul both and also Joseph. Both Saul and Joseph started the same way. They started the same path. There was a call upon their life. You started the same way. There's a call upon your life. But where was the separation? The separation came when Saul was impatient and desired to be able to take matters into his own hands. Therefore, he started operating in his own pace. Made a decision to not wait upon the Lord, nor made a decision to be able to do things in his own way and in his own time. Therefore, it cost him. They both started off the same, Saul and Joseph. They have a purpose. They have a calling. While Joseph, on the other hand, regardless of his circumstances, said, you know what? It's in God's timing. I may be thrown in a cistern, but God, it's in your timing. I may be thrown into prison. By the way, I've got some, you know, a little, little baker here and a guy that has a, you know, cup bear or whatever. Okay, I can learn some things. All right, so God's timing. Now I'm in Potiphar's house. Okay, God's timing. Listen to me. They both started off. I wonder if maybe what Saul's story would have been had he just relied upon God. If he just not taken matters into his own hands, but he just said, God, I want to rely upon your timing. You get away from his grace. You get away from his favor. You get away from his blessing. When you start operating in your own timing, and this is what Saul did. While Joseph, on the other hand, they both started off the same. Joseph ended up leading a nation and saving the entire nation of Israel while Saul ended up battling with the very nation that God gave him. And his, his, his greatest accomplishment, his greatest leadership was removed because he wanted to do things in his own timing. What about you? I know you battle with timing issues. We all do. But the question is, are you going to rely upon the Holy Spirit? Are you going to rely upon God's timing for your own life? So, number one, extraordinary timing, it requires us to listen to God's timing. But number two, it requires us to listen to God's harvest. There is a harvest period. Now, what does that mean for, let's say, maybe the church people that we understand? The harvest basically is the benefactor of seeds have been sown. That's what the harvest means. But how do we rely upon God's harvest? You have his timing and you have his harvest. How do we do it? Well, we have to understand the dynamic difference between how we live our own harvest and how we live God's harvest. Listen, how many of you have been a benefactor of your own harvest? Only to be able to regret and go, God, I just wish I would have paid attention to you. I wish I would have just listened to you. It would have been so easier. How many of you know it's just a struggle sometimes just to do it our own? But every time we rely upon God, God says, like, watch. Watch what I can do. Watch what I've always desired to do. Extraordinary timing is going to require you to get out of the ordinary of your timing and rely upon God's. 
and live in such a way and understand in such a way that he has a harvest that's ready. Let's go back to Galatians 6.9. So don't get tired of doing what is good. For if, everyone say if. In other words, that's your choice. The word if. It's not a promise. It's if. There's a choice that you have to have. It's not a blessing. Well, I'm a Christian, so I get to receive his blessing. No. You're a Christian. You call Jesus your Lord and personal Savior. Therefore, you have eternal residence. But now there's a walking out of understanding his blessing and his favor. And it's attributed to his timing, and it's attributed to his harvest. You have, number one, God's timing. Number two, watch this. Holy Spirit, as I go with my week, let me pay attention to your harvest and stop fighting for my own. Many of us in here, we want blessing, but we don't want to surrender to God in order to receive his blessing. God's harvest requires that he is in charge of the harvest. We simply are in charge of the seed. That's it. And so what we need to understand, basically moving forward, God's harvest. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. It says in 1 Corinthians, listen, I want to let you know something. There's nothing that you can do to be able to have a benefit of the harvest. It's going to cost you. And it's going to be a whole lot more work and effort than you were ever intended to, to live out. That's why many of us in here, we like taking matters into our own hands. I know I've done that. How many about you? We all love to take matters into our own hands because we're impatient. We love taking matters into our own hands. We do a lot of lip service and we love Jesus with our lips, but our actions are different. And we have to learn how to pay attention to not only God's timing, but also pay attention clearly to how he wants to deliver his harvest. You have to pay attention. Let me ask you something. Are you so busy that you can't even pay attention to God's harvest or what he desires to do? Are you so busy that you're a churchgoer, but you're not a church liver? Maybe you come to church, but you don't know what it means to be the church because you're so busy. Why is it that when we go on vacation, we have to come back and take a vacation from our vacation? Why? Because we pack in, we pack in, and we pack in, and we don't know how to marginalize our efforts. It's very difficult for us to be still and hear the voice of God when we're so busy. And God says, you have to rely upon my timing. Pace yourself. Learn how to take the step in the rhythm. And next, learn how to operate with his harvest. This is why I think it's so crucial. This is why I think it's so beneficial for us to understand not only what Daniel understood. Listen, he didn't allow circumstances to dictate his timing. He didn't allow circumstances to alter anything to do with the harvest. He knew that he served a God that was going to rescue regardless. He just simply needed to continue being faithful, being committed. He knew that God was going to put him in positions of faith because God had some greater things to accomplish. Listen to me. God's timing and God's harvest. God's harvest will always precede the faithfulness that you have in God. Let me ask you something. How many of you love God? Silly question, right? You love God, right? Let me have a show of hands. Love God. All right, here we go. Here we go. Love is blessing. Love is faith. Watch this. If we love God and we love his favor and his blessing and we love his faith, how come we're not asking God to put us in faith equations? Love. 
In other words, let's pray this prayer. God, put me in a faith equation today. You're going to come to church and you go, I ain't doing that. Why? Because that's going to have to make me trust God. I don't want anything to happen to my comfort. I don't want anything, anything happen because I love God, love God. Listen to me. If faith is the only thing that pleases God, how come we're not asking him to be able to put us in a faith equation? Because <laughs> we don't want to sweat. Because <laughs> we don't want to like change our shorts because we pooped our pants. We don't want to do anything like that. We want to love God, but we don't want to do whatever's necessary to increase our faith. Right now for your family, you're believing for a, for a solid, for a healthy marriage, but you're not asking God to put you in a faith equation that makes you rely upon him. Or maybe you want blessing, you want everything of the benefits, but what it requires is a solid, and a, a faith that is chiseled, a faith that is exercised. God's timing requires a faith that is exercised. God's harvest requires a faith that is exercised. And I want you to understand something, if anything, because there's two things walking out of here I want you to understand. Now, I want you to ask yourself, God, am I in your timing and I am, am I in your harvest? Your harvest requires a faith that is going to be exercised. We can come here at church all day long and not have any faith. Basically, we become a glorified country club rather than a church that is exercising itself in faith. Yes, we believe, but listen, God says, if you believe, that's one thing, but I want your faith steps to be walked out. Say God's timing. God's harvest. That is about as simplified as it gets. Listen, whether you're here, maybe you want to be doing some studies on the deity of Christ, and you want to do some studies on the Old Testament maybe, or the survey of it, or the New Testament, and get into the, the, the idiosyncrasies of Paul's travels and, and understand the gospel in depth. Listen, if your faith isn't exercised, that's where your starting point is. Don't worry about what's intellectual or what's the depth and, and the message, and I need some meat. Listen to me. If you can't drink the milk, don't be so concerned about the meat. If your faith isn't being exercised, then where are you? So, God's timing and God's harvest has a lot to do, a lot to do with us asking God to mess us up. Have you ever asked God that prayer? Because many of us, we get it, we get, we get it normal, God. Okay, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Even when we pray for food, it sounds superficial. God bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies in Jesus' name. Or, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Or let me have your favor. Or it's always on the positive side of things. Or it's always what we want out of it. Rather than, God, you know what? Use your best chiseling tool today. Sharpen me. Chisel me. Make me and mold me. Listen to me. Daniel knew it all too well. And he was doing something that really would never shape his future. He did something that he knew that God would take care of him regardless because he was operating on God's timing. The question that I have for you, not only as a friend, as a pastor as well, is that are you operating on God's timing or are you operating on your own? Be honest with yourself. This is church. And are you operating with God's harvest or are you so superficial to believe asking God's grace for your own harvest? What does God's harvest look like for you? Right now, just to process and just to think about it, 
Are you spinning your wheels asking God to bless your own life rather than asking God to give you a life that he desires? Think about it. Just process it. Whether you're immature, whether you're just finding Christianity, whether you're mature in the faith, God is always, always in the business of chiseling. And he's always in the business of trying to bring you to the next level of what his desire is to utilize you to promote the gospel or to grow. How many of you want to grow? Do you realize it takes pruning? It is what it is. God's timing and God's harvest. Listen to me. Extraordinary timing is going to require you to move away from your own. Now, I challenge you and even argue to see if whether or not your timing has been the very lid that has not allowed God's timing to operate on your behalf. I know for Sandy and I, my wife, and the church over there at Journey, I know there's so many different things that I so desire. And even in my life, my four kids, I've got an 18-year-old that's about to go to college here in the next two weeks. Praise God. Okay, that's one down. Okay, and so we, we, we got to move it out. But there's so many times that I want to be able to operate in my own timing. And God almost, I feel like as if he says, would you just stop? Would you just stop? I can't move and I can't operate until you relinquish and surrender your own timing. And I wonder if you're the same. And I wonder maybe if you've been praying for a harvest or praying for a blessing or praying for God to move on your behalf, but he can't because you're too busy trying to take care of the shovel. You're too busy trying to be able to uproot a harvest that isn't ripe yet. And I want to ask every person in here, listen, to be gut level honest with me because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not perfect by any means whatsoever. Your pastor Phil, he is not perfect by any means whatsoever. Now, I may look better than he does, but it doesn't, that's a whole different subject. But let me just be honest with you. and Let me just be straight up, just transparent with you. I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. I get in arguments with my wife and everything. My kids frustrate the heck out of me. And in and, and the church where I want it to be and, 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 and the people. And, and, and it's like Dr. Cho said in, like in China, the largest church in the world. He said, I have largest church in the world. And I hate every one of them. <laughs> okay? it's, when you deal with people, it's tough. It's tough. And I get frustrated at God, and, 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 and I'm not perfect, like I said. And I just want you to know, and I just want you to realize that every person in here, every person in here, we're all going to battle with God's timing. We're all going to battle with God's harvest. We are going to battle every time something comes our way where we question, God, where are you? And God said, listen, I've, I've never left, and I've never forsaken. My ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts your thoughts. Just be still and be patient. Continue to do. Why is it that whenever we get sick or why is it that whenever we have a travesty happen that we almost pray more? Does God listen to more prayers or does he listen to a surrendered heart? I've got a cousin right now who's actually a pastor of a church in San Antonio. Great church. Him and his wife have been doing a fantastic job. They recently just delivered their second child, a second baby, but it was 30 weeks old. The baby that was got delivered is two and a half pounds. So right now, the baby's in NICUs, in the NICU. Well, right after that, her, Daniel's wife, my cousin's wife, her liver started shutting down. And then fluid started filling her lungs. 
And right now they're doing dialysis, and right now they have no idea if she's going to make it. And what, thing, what, what, what I ended up actually sharing with him was this, is listen, I believe in prayer, and I believe in prayer warriors, and I believe in intercession. But I'm not going to allow a circumstance to alter my regularity of loving God. How many of you know that God knew this was going to happen? God didn't wake up or in your life and go, oops, I had no idea. God's not surprised. And I wonder if maybe he's spending time trying to be able to test our faith and say, will you still continue to love me? Will you still continue to have faith in me? Will you allow me to continue in my timing, do what I need to do? That's what I share with my cousin. I said, there's no sense. There's no, don't do anything different. You continue doing what you do. Well, we need more prayer words. No, you don't. God's not going to listen to a multitude of prayer warriors. In fact, he says, even in Scripture, that I will listen to one bowed knee. I want you to understand something. Don't shift your life based on emotions. Be consistent enough that says, God, it's in your timing. You knew this was going to happen. But my behavior and how I respond to it has everything to do with the results and the harvest that I'm going to receive. And I want to ask every person in here, whether young, whether old, whether it be seasoned a believer or whether it be maybe believing for the first time or you're maybe checking out Christianity, you really don't know what this whole gospel thing is about. Let me speak into your life. Every one of us, we battle with timing. We battle with, battle with the rhythm of grace. We battle with God's metronome. But I wonder if maybe you just finally learn how to surrender it and say, God, I want to rely upon your timing. Would you help me learn how to do that? And Father, I also want to be able to rely upon your harvest. Not to give Garth Brooks credit, but whenever he sang that song, thank God for unanswered prayer. How many of you are thankful back in high school when you thought you were going to marry your high school sweetheart? You know what I'm talking about? Thank God for unanswered prayer. Listen to me. Your battle is going to be the very timing that wars with God's. My challenge and my request to you is to listen to the Holy Spirit is to walk with God's rhythm, not your own. My challenge and charge to you is to be able to understand that it's his harvest, that you can be able to dig up a harvest that God has always intended, but yet it sour because it was never meant to be in your hands. God's harvest has everything to do with his timing. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 